0: Hello and welcome to the Chemistry Made Simple podcast. I'm your host Matthew Macario, and this is the podcast where you get chemistry confident and we take you from point A to grade A. Today's episode we're talking about born harbour cycles. If you've been following the recent series of episodes you'll know that we've been talking about the standard enthalpy changes of various chemical processes that happen during the formation of an ionic compound. And the born harbor cycle is what ties those together. It's how we use those different standard enthalpies in order to calculate an enthalpy of formation or in order to calculate any of those individual standard enthalpies that we've talked about. So it may have seemed like we were just talking through definitions, and in a way we were, but this is what we need to understand those definitions for. So what is a born harbor cycle? Well, in effect, it's an energy level diagram. It just has a vertical axis with energy, positive energy going up on the left. Then we plot on the diagram the different processes that are going on in the formation of an ionic compound, starting with its constituent elements, starting with those in their standard states. So if we were to draw this, you don't necessarily need to use graph paper. You don't necessarily need to scale this out. So let's talk through an example for potassium chloride. So for this, you would start by drawing a vertical line, which is energy going up, draw a horizontal line to the right of there, and we're going to write there the elements that we're going to start with potassium and chlorine, and we're going to start with solid potassium and gaseous chlorine because that's their standard states. We're going to be making one mole of potassium chloride, We're always making one mole of our ionic substance when we're considering a born harbor cycle. And so we need to start with one mole of potassium and half a mole of chlorine gas, because chlorine is, of course, Cl2. And we only need half a mole of chlorine gas to give us a whole mole of chloride ions, which will be part of the one mole of our potassium chloride product. Okay, this is effectively our zero point from where we're measuring energy. And now we're going to plot up and down the graph various processes. So draw a horizontal line further up the page and the first process is going to be the atomization of potassium. And we would usually write a vertical arrow between our first and second horizontal lines here to indicate the process that's going on and label it as the standard enthalpy change of atomization of potassium. We'd write there the value of that energy change, how many kilojoules per mole of energy is required, for that, and atomizing an element is going to be a positive energy change. It's an endothermic process. On the, that second line, we're going to write what the state of our elements are after this process has happened. So we've no longer got potassium solids, we're going to have potassium gas because our potassium is in the gaseous form now. But the chlorine hasn't changed, so it's just potassium gas plus half a mole of chlorine gas. Okay, and that's the first step, that's the first process. Another step we need to do is to atomize the chlorine into individual chlorine atoms. So again, we'd draw another horizontal line a little further up the diagram. We'd mark an arrow from the previous line to this one and mark it up as delta H at for atomization of Cl2. Standard enthalpy change for chlorine is for making one mole of chlorine gaseous atoms, and that's exactly what we're doing here. We're going to make a whole mole of chlorine atoms from half a mole of chlorine gas. Therefore, the value that we're going to apply here is the standard enthalpy change for a whole mole, so however many kilojoules per mole that is. It's 122 actually, but use the value given to you in your exam, in your homework, in your assignment. On this latest horizontal line, we're now going to write that we've got atomized potassium and atomized chlorine. So it's K gas plus Cl gas, not Cl2, because it's atomized. Okay, so now both elements are in the atomized form. We need to turn these into ions and let's consider the potassium first. So we need to turn potassium from atoms into one plus ions. And this energy change is going to be the first ionisation energy, the removal of one electron from one potassium atom, but for a whole mole of those atoms. So again, this is going to be an endothermic process. So again, we're at another horizontal line higher up the diagram. Write an arrow to this from the previous line. Mark that arrow as being the ionisation energy of potassium and the value is going to be the number of kilojoules per mole for that first ionisation energy of potassium. On the latest horizontal line, we're going to write the products that we now have. So we have a K plus potassium ion in the gaseous form, we have an electron, and we have chlorine atom in the gaseous form. We have a mole of each of those, actually. Okay, so we now have our potassium ion, but our chlorine is still existing as atoms, we need to turn our chlorine into chloride ions, into Cl1-, and that is actually an exothermic process. So we can write, usually a bit further to the right, we'll draw a horizontal line further down the diagram, and now we want to narrow from the previous line to this one, and mark that as the first electron affinity of chlorine, because that's the process that's happening, one electron is being added to chlorine atoms to make Cl1- ions. Again, we're producing one mole of the chloride ions, and therefore we're going to use the number of kilojoules per mole of an electron affinity that applies to one mole. Okay, and our products now are K-plus ion in the Gaseous form, and the Cl-minus ion in the Gaseous form. And that's representing a mole of each, of course. Now we have our ions. The only further thing in order to make our ionic compound is for those to bond together to form a lattice. So the next change is the lattice enthalpy of formation. This is an exothermic process, usually quite a large value. And in fact, the next horizontal line to draw on the page is going to be the lowest line on the diagram. So if you mark that and then draw an arrow down from the previous line, and mark that as the lattice enthalpy of formation for potassium chloride. And if you are given the value for one mole, mark that on as well. On that lowest horizontal line that you've marked, we now have our solid product, potassium chloride. And that is our final product. There is one more process to mark on this line, We need to mark a line from our very first horizontal line where we started with solid potassium and half a mole of gaseous Cl2. Draw an arrow from that to the line that's got our solid potassium chloride product and mark that as the enthalpy change of formation for potassium chloride. And if you're given the value for the enthalpy change of formation for one mole of potassium chloride, mark that on your diagram as well. Okay, so we now have a diagram that's got all the different processes marked, including the enthalpy change of formation. We've got the values for each of those. And that is an interesting diagram to compare the different values and see the different theoretical processes that go into the formation of a solid ionic compound from its elements. So how is that useful? Well, for you, you'll very often be given all but one of the values, all but one of the standard enthalpy changes there. So you'll need to do some mathematics in order to calculate the missing value. Very often, you're asked to calculate the lattice enthalpy of formation value, but it's not always that. It could be any one of those values that you're asked to calculate. As long as you're given all the other values, you should be able to calculate the missing value that you're asked to calculate. So, when you're doing your diagram, when you're setting it up, be very careful that you're getting your pluses and minuses correct, because that is one of the big causes of error in doing those calculations. And also be very careful in learning the standard enthalpy change definitions. Make sure you realize what the one mole is applying to. It's usually the product of a particular process and not what you're starting with. So, for example, enthalpy of atomization of chlorine from Cl2 is starting with half a mole of chlorine. The mole refers to a mole of the chlorine atoms that you finish with. So that's a very common error where some students will get confused or just make the mistake that they're starting with a mole of chlorine gas because maybe that makes more sense at the time. So be really careful with the definitions. Something else that's probably quite important here is where your cation or your anion or both are not one positive and one negative but have a higher charge. So let's imagine that we were making an ionic compound that had calcium. So calcium is of course forming a two plus ion. When you create your Born-Harbour cycle you need to Have an extra process, not just the first ionization energy of calcium. So we would have that step going from calcium to calcium one plus, but there's also an extra step afterwards, going from calcium one plus to calcium two plus. If it's the anion, the negative ion that has got a multiple charge, then you have a second electron affinity to consider. So you would have in the case of oxygen, for example, if we're making an oxide ion O2 minus. The first electron affinity makes the oxygen atom into an oxygen one minus ion. And the second electron affinity makes the oxygen one minus ion into an oxygen two minus ion. And something to note here, the second electron affinity for an anion is always going to be endothermic, even though the first electron affinity was exothermic. And that's because trying to add an electron onto something that's already negatively charged is going to require an input of energy. So how about if you were asked to calculate a standard enthalpy change that related to a compound that doesn't really exist, a theoretical compound? So for example, magnesium chloride, but MgCl, so magnesium in the oxidation state 1. Of course, that doesn't exist in reality. But in theory, you could do the calculation. You would only, in the process, include the first ionisation energy of the magnesium atom, And of course, also consider that you only need one mole of chloride ions for that theoretical MGCL compound as well. So don't be put off. Don't think it's something bizarre if you're asked to calculate a standard enthalpy change for a compound that is theoretical that you believe can't really exist. Because actually, you can do that calculation. You may well be asked to do that calculation and the answer isn't, oh, you must have made a mistake and meant mgtl 2 So I hope that's been useful to you. And this is a much longer episode than the previous ones, of course, because we're tying it all together. If you have any questions on this, if you'd be interested in seeing a video going through the process, please do let me know. It'd be great to hear from you. The best way to ask me questions or let me know about that is to come over to the podcast Patreon community at patreon.com slash chemistry made simple. If you're getting value from the, this and other episodes as well, you can support the podcast for free just by giving a rating or a review in your podcast player. Share it with your friends. And an inexpensive way as well is to come buy a coffee or join our Patreon community. And there's links for each of those in the notes below. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found it useful, and if you have had value from it, do consider visiting our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Simple, where you'll be able to ask deeper questions about this topic and get more support for your studies too. So I look forward to speaking to you again in the next episode, and until then, do look after yourself, and goodbye.